Are you going to introduce the guest? Give me a chance, Charlie. We'll do the intro. I'm Beth and Dyke, and this week on Balls, we discuss... Is VAR a party pooper on dramatic celebrations? Nia opens up about uneven treatment in the Netball Super League. And a special guest tells us how she bounced back from injury heartbreak at the Commonwealth Games. Welcome to Bulls episode 10. We've made it to double figures. Can you believe it, Nia? I can't, to be honest. Charlie, can you? Because you warn us every I podcast that we shouldn't find. I definitely can't. Um, but no, but welcome to Bulls um, episode 10. We said we've actually got a special guest with us today. We have the one and only Pocket Rocket, Bethan Dyke. <sighs> Can I just say, I gave you that nickname. Did you? Yes. The crowd goes and it's wild. Stuck. Take the credit. Um, you really don't want to be on this today, do you? No. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, what we'll do, we'll just have a chat. And if you feel like butting in, butt in, love, and we'll have a chat with you later. Have okay. you ever known Bethan Dyke to butt in anything? No. No. <laughs> She doesn't even butt in herself. I could, I could throw a bag, uh, your food bin, all over Beth's head, and she'd say thank you. She'd say she'd actually apologise for getting in the way. Oh dear, what a How'd teammate! How does it feel to be the second best Beth in the room? I don't mind. I'm quite happy to take it behind Beth. Sorry. No, got it. Oh God, I feel, I feel dirty. Sorry, she's like a sister. Sorry, sister. I didn't even know. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Mr. Helen. and Mrs. Dyke. Oh, goodness. Anyway. That's their um, surname, by the way, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> she's gone. She's gone. Oh, oh, I would say that you're distracting us, but actually this is probably the best it's been for a few weeks. Um, wow, another week's gone by. Can you believe it's the almost May? It's what? It's almost May next oh. week. No, that is a joke, actually, that it's almost May, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's been... I actually haven't had a very busy week for once. I feel a bit bored, to be honest. But um, you've been in action... Well, you had a really busy weekend, didn't you, of netball? Yeah, yeah um, the league put on this random big Easter weekend. Um, not really sure why, not sure how that passed the brainstorming meeting to just whack two games in, some in Scotland, some in Coventry on. But um, it was cool that it was a different format. Um, you know... I know it's a tough turnaround playing games on back-to-back days, but actually when we're at major championships, we tend to play like six in ten days anyway. So netball is a sport where you can actually recover and go again, a bit like basketballers play several games a week. Um, But typically the Celtic Dragons had the toughest draw of the lot. We had the shortest turnaround out of all the teams, Um, which I just think when I've asked a couple of people about it, they said, oh, it's probably because you finished last last year. But one, I don't think... It's a bit harsh. I know. One, I don't think that's a good enough reason and two surely then you should give us the best draw because if we've struggled why don't you give us a foot up you know like the NFL do by giving the first draft to the the first pick of the draft to the to the lowest finishing team in order to sort of even out the league I don't I'm not sure why they you know kick us while we're down but there we are it's an interesting point actually because when we go away with hockey whether it's um, club Europeans or Wales you have to have a 24 hour turnaround so in that case what did you have you played at no, we played at 7pm on the Saturday, but then by the time you come off court, it's sort of quarter to nine. By the time you shower, ice bath, debrief, eat, you're not leaving the venue until quarter past ten. By the time you get back to the hotel, um, credit to our physio, Sean Harris, um, she'd organised treatment for everybody, but she was up massaging people still at half past eleven. Then we had to have another sort of debrief when we'd gathered the statistics. So people weren't going to bed till gone midnight. Um 
okay, we had a pretty relaxed morning, but still you've got to prep for the next game. Um, and you're back on court warming up at half past one. So it's it's really not, you know, very long at all. Hockey, though, is slightly more of an endurance-based sport. You know, you guys cover probably, what, 12 to 15K in a game. We don't cover that sort of... Well, not you, Beth. <laughs> some of your teammates, maybe. 12K going to get ice for the team. <laughs> Watergill. Um, yeah, it's it, it was still really tough. And obviously, the teams we played had had a lot longer break than us. So, slightly unfair advantage before we'd even kicked off. Talking of games in a row, I've been at the SOS call from my um, hockey coach, Toby, asking if I go to Vienna in um, June. But it's four games in four days. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Vienna. Well, Beth, you're teased by your mouth, not your microphone, so we can't actually... There you go. Do it again. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that in. Yeah, no, so that is... I'm actually dreading it. And also, as well, we... Um, so quite a few of our girls play for Wales and they're not allowed to come. They have to go to squads, which means at this moment in time, I think we're going with... Which squads? Wales. Wales, Wales training. training. At this moment in time, we're going with 13 players, including me. So I'm most I was going to say you roll on, roll off, but that's not many to roll on and roll off, No, it's it? not, especially four days in a row. And last year, I went... Broke my foot in the first game and played four games. Let's just four games. Um, by the fourth game, I was in so much pain. I over we were playing early in the morning as well. I think ten a.m. because we were in bloody relegation. I overdosed on paracetamol, not advisable anyone. And then some of the girls were there drinking on the sideline. Not um, some fans watching us. I'm fans. I mean, people come to support. And I actually down half a pint of lager as well. Ten a.m. to get through it. No, I'm sorry. That's Could ridiculous. Could barely walk. You call yourself a sports person. Well, I had to for the team. We had literally 12 players there. You had to down half a pint well, for the team. To get through the pain. Are you sure. a rugby player? <laughs> Honestly, I was in so... I cannot... I couldn't even put weight through my foot and I had to play. So I was really... Didn't want to play again this year, but I've had the SOS call, so guess what? I'm on the plane to Vienna in June. So I've really Sounds like a really hard decision. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's been an interesting week in... Um, Sport. I think we're going to start actually with a football match that happened last week, the Man City Tottenham game for the Champions League, which we all spoke about on our little. Um, sorry, again, Beth's shaking her head. She didn't watch it, did you, Beth? No, I didn't. Sorry. Well, well you can listen in and tell us what you think. Um, would you agree that it's probably one of the best football matches to have ever have happened in the modern game? I think so. Certainly one of the most memorable and exciting. Like, if you're a fan of. Um, defensive strategies in football you probably wouldn't have liked it very much because it was woeful defending for the first 20 minutes in case people don't know like you Beth who's staring at me like a like a tranquilized owl across the table <laughs> um it was two all within the first 20 minutes um obviously Champions League quarterfinal um but some amazing goals um some amazing individual performances and just so exciting because of the away goal rule you know any time that um, Tottenham scored Man City almost needed two more again so um, yeah really exciting did you watch it? Um, I was actually at um, an FA Women's Super League match but just before we go on that I don't know whether it's my age and it's a bit like you do with exes you always remember the good times but I Christ insert some Backstreet Boys music here I don't know whether there used to be a lot of games like that and recently over the last probably eight years it's become a little bit kind of boring but I can't remember the last game which was that exciting. I didn't watch it all because like I said I was watching well I was um, reporting at Yeovil Reading which was actually started off first half not the greatest game in the world but second half was a really good. Farah Williams scored an absolute dreamer apparently I don't know you have you played with her? No. Um, I don't know what you think they said that she should be playing for England still. Can you explain who she is for the listeners? So Farrah Williams, um, she's got... 
don't quote me, but way over 100 caps for England. Um, been she plays for Reading. Yeah, she plays for Reading now, but ex-Liverpool, ex-Everton. Um, just your textbook class midfield player. And I was speaking to Gwen and Harris, ex-Welsh International, a couple of weeks ago, and she st- said Farrah Williams is still by far, head and shoulders, the best player I've ever been on the pitch with. Wow. She said she can do everything. Yeah. A short game, long game, scoring, defensive abilities, both feet. She can do everything with both feet. Um, I just think that this this surgence with the Lionesses has sort of come after Farrah Williams was sort of the heartbeat of that midfield. So new Lionesses in England fans or women's football fans have actually maybe She's 36 though, isn't she? As yeah, well. they've probably just missed out on mm-hmm. seeing what Farah can do because it's such a competitive squad now that Phil Neville probably physically she has struggled with a couple of niggles and as you say she's 36 but she's still such a class act and it's just a shame that actually people don't it's not as accessible for everybody to watch women's football. Otherwise, they would see with their own eyes how good she is. Well, I actually missed out on a blinking goal. It was first half, nil-nil, a bit back and forth. And um, I, I wrote, went to write something on my notepad. And as I like looked up, she'd scored this like 25 screamer, literally... Off yeah. her right foot, which was annoying, but um, yeah, she was <coughs> she was uh, unbelievable. And like, I think it's going back to that age thing again, isn't it? Of you know, athletes being kind of tainted with oh, you're, they're a bit old now. And when 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 you're a coach, you don't you hear it quite often. Or you know, could they make the next cycle? And that really annoys me because I kind of think if you if you're playing well enough, then it doesn't surely it doesn't matter what age you are. It, it, it's mad because when you're sort of say twenty one <coughs> to sort of twenty four. People say, oh, yeah, they're good, they're good, they've got good potential, but what they need is experience. So what you're craving at that age is what your 36-year-olds have. Mm-hmm. And then when you're at 27, 28, you're probably getting slated because you should be in your prime and you're probably not quite there yet, still asking for more experience. And as soon as you're at 29, 30, 31, people say, oh, she's coming to the end now. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like you can never really fully enjoy it. Uh, another interesting fact about Farrah Williams, and I, I don't want to misquote it, so... If people are interested, please go out there and have a look on the internet to look at it, because I know she has done some personal pieces about it. But she actually was homeless for a little bit. Um, and when she was involved in the England squad under Hope Powell, the previous manager before Mark Sampson, um, Hope actually helped her through it and knew about it. And she was lived one, in a car, didn't she? she? Yeah, she lived out of a car or, or crashed on friends' sofas. And now, obviously, she's she's earned the right to be living a fantastic wage. Yeah. And just quickly going back to the Man City-Tottenham game, because we can't talk about the end moment whereby City thought they'd won it in the <laughs> 90th minute. and oh, beautiful. <laughs> and then, obviously, VAR came up and said that um, Guerrero's offside. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, obviously, there's been a load of decisions this season, Cardiff City in particular, where, obviously, they've been on the wrong side of VAR or no VAR. The same with Swansea City in the FA Cup. They lost out because... There was no VAR and Man City scored two offside goals. Mm-hmm. Now, what people are saying is that because of VAR coming in next year, people will stop celebrating goals because they are not sure whether the goal will stand. Thoughts on that? Uh, just a quick question. Do you know the offside rule, Beth? Yeah. What is it? Um, when you're in front of the defending player towards the goal. Yeah, when? When the ball's being kicked. Oh, Christ. Yes. Can I just say, she's got a face like, you know when you're in school when you're in a daydream and the teacher goes, Bethan, what is 10 times 3 times 3? And you go, oh, wait, uh, like, that was her. <laughs> right. Um, right. Um, go back to... I don't think they will. I. <sighs> but do you see... Um, Guardiola. Pep? Yeah. Yeah, but rightly oh, so. Rightly oh. so. I mean... Stupid actually, great you see, You've seen it. Uh, yeah, that great cardigan, by the way, is absolutely woeful. 
is far-fetched. You, you, you're seeing it more and more. The more VAR is being used, the quicker it's becoming. The decisions are coming quicker. It's becoming more smooth. I, st- I still don't think it'll affect the, the celebrations. And you can't help it. You can't help but celebrate a goal. You're never going to go, oh, let's just wait a sec. Yeah. The the instant euphoria is, is natural anyway. So Merm City fan left thinking they'd won oh, no. and got an interview after we went, oh, how do you feel about the game? Yeah, great, we won. He went, no, you didn't, you lost. And he went, what are you talking about? He was ruled offside. He was like, oh, no. Oh, for God's He sake. left as soon as he went in to miss the foot traffic. Idiot. <laughs> He's outside the stadium. Oh, can I just say on that point as well that... It was the absolute correct decision, the VAR. And thank God we're not looking back at that game, slagging off the referees for once. You know, 90 minutes of fantastic football's happened and very often we'd still be talking about a decision the referee made at the end. It's fact, it happened. It was a shame for Man City, but at least, you know, it's fact. That's actually quite interesting because quite a lot post-match, we had it at Cardiff City-Liverpool with the Salah penalty. Yeah. Is that there's so much chat about decisions. You're right. You don't everyone, actually talk about the game. Everyone just spoke about how good that game was. Mm. I've, n- I've not actually heard one negative connotation about it. No, sorry. Because you don't know any Man City fans. There aren't any Man City fans. Leading us on to um, official decisions, you were quite vocal about some of the decisions and umpiring on the weekend that now. <coughs> would you like to talk about it? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I would I would like in the future, maybe after this season, to go away and actually gather evidence for the point that I frequently make because I understand that I'm the captain of the Celtic Dragons franchise, so people are going to call me biased and they're going to say that I'm just obviously sticking bitter. up for my bitter sticking up for my club, um, but actually. It's becoming more and more evident, not just this season, but in previous seasons, of this feeling of inequality, I feel, like the Celtic Dragons franchise has. Um, we were on the end of some controversial umpiring calls in our match on Saturday. But don't get me wrong, it happens every week, in every match, in every sport. And the game, how did the game go? We so we are playing Mavericks, who are a team who are challenging for top four. And they've got... A uh, few England internationals in there. They, the start of the season, they were sort of top two. They faded off a little bit, but still, they're probably they're, they're challenging for those for those top four places to go through to the finals. Um, um, <clears throat> we were three goals three goals down going into the final quarter, I believe, and we ended up losing the match by five. So, in an hour's netball context, that's a close game. Um, so, just to put it into perspective, if we'd have just turned over two more of their balls and scored off them, that would obviously have prevented them scoring two goals. So it would have been an even game. Um, So two intercepts in an hour is nothing. So in the final quarter, um, there was a few umpiring calls where we had possession of our own centre pass. And it's a little bit like tennis where you've got to score, you've got, you want to score points off your own serve. So our goal attack Khalifa was called for not one, but two held balls in the circle, which is random and she doesn't get called for those. And it was sort of, random like it hadn't happened for the first 45 minutes so why then um there was also an attacking contact called on our shooter which are really rare you might get one or two a game again that came off our own possession in the final quarter and there was then a couple of missed uh contact calls from the opposition we felt i think beth will agree with me on these yes (laughs) thank you beth (laughs) wow (laughs) jury's out (laughs) so we felt like there was a couple of um 
heavy contests from the Mavericks players. Not not um, in, in Salatace or anything. They're going for the ball, but we felt like we were impeded, weren't called. They took possession down and scored off them. And I have never, in the history of being a Celtic Dragons player, had a neutral fan base cheer for us because we're a Welsh cheering, fran- cheering, <laughs> oh, cheering. No, we're an, we're a Welsh franchise. People don't have a strong affinity to us. We don't have any England players. A lot of the fans of the league are England fans. But the fans started to turn on the umpire, started to boo the umpire, started to cheer for Celtic Dragons. I mean, I know Twitter is is full of trolls and mums, but I've had five neutral people that I've never met. Five? Crazy. Tweeting me, commenting on the the random umpiring and apologising that the last quarter went the way it did and it was it was unfair so but there's a lot more to this than that that weekend um I, I don't like if i've tallied up the amount of times that other franchises have been aired on sky sports and every franchise apart from us and the scottish franchise the, the sirens sirens have had two celtic dragons have had one a lot of the other teams have had four or five let's cut to the chase do you think there's bias towards english teams yeah um yeah, 100%. And, you know, people could argue before this season that it's because we finished last. And, okay, technically that makes you the worst team in the league. But to me, it doesn't mean that you're any less entertaining, especially against uh, teams that are in and around you in the league. A lot of the uh, games that Sky have picked to air, they've picked Manchester Thunder against London Pulse, the top team against the bottom team. I'm sorry, but any sport where there's a difference of 30 goals... Yeah. It's boring. Well, netball's really boring when it's high school. You know, like, we've played difference. stars and we've lost by one in the final second. Our match against Mavericks on Saturday, we lost by five and it was full of drama in the last quarter. We've been a part of plenty of matches where there's there's fight and there's bodies on the floor and there's controversial decisions and there's amazing athleticism and there's close games, there's one-goal games and nobody's ever seen it. Going back to the umpiring, though, I mean, I've watched Cad Dragons now for probably two or three, well, more actually, three or four seasons and I've be, been absolutely flabbergasted at some of the decisions that are being called. Now, do you think this is becoming a problem for Celtic Dragons? I think we, we've contributed to it somehow because of our poor performances in recent years. But, but should that matter? No, it shouldn't. And this is what happens. This is what I believe happens. Because I spoke to our coach, Julie Hornwig, about it in depth at the Commonwealth Games because I, was, I, was, I think I was the most, if not the second most penalised player at the Commonwealth Games in the Hated whole competition. Hated as well. Yeah, thank you, booed by the crowd. But I don't really mind that. Every panther needs a villain. But people think because you're short or not as good as the opponent that you're playing, if you get ball or you get hand to ball, they assume you're not skilled enough to have got that legally. So they penalise you. A lot of the time, if a very skilled shooter is up against a not known defender and they drop a ball or a miscontrollable, a miscontroller landing, they assume, well, there's no way that a player of that calibre would do that mistake against a player of that calibre, so they call it. There's so many assumptions. I think myself, as a as a shorter Welsh player, with not much reputation in the game compared to, you know, England's nationals who've won the Commonwealth Games, I am umpired differently to, say, an England international in the same position as me especially if they play for a club that is towards the higher end of the league. Mm. For instance, um, I'm not going to name names, but when we were playing against Wasps on, on Thursday, and people have tweeted me about this, I actually in one of the quarters counted how many times an, op- an opponent midcourt from, from the Wasps team got penalised against our uh, midcourt. She got five in one quarter, I got two, but I was taken to a caution. 
So I queried the umpires after that. I said, how can she get five and I get two? He said, it's not the number, it's, the, it's, it's how I deem the severity of the hits. With netball, the problem is some of the rules are very subjective. So a contact for one umpire might be different for another umpire. If you look at rugby or football, even hockey, there's quite a clear line, isn't there, in terms of rules? In terms of football, you can't go with studs up, you can't go over the ball, you can't come in from behind. In terms of rugby, you cannot tackle with no arms and you can't go above neck yeah. height. Whereas netball is completely subjective. Yeah. People's three foot is different, people's three second yeah. um, perception is different, people's contact and contest is completely different. So in terms of that, genuinely, there's been times where I think when I eventually leave this league and leave this game, I will not miss it because I think that's the one thing that's holding netball back as a global sport. I think, quite frankly, it's a joke. Crikey. On that note, we'll end that. We're going we're gonna to move swiftly over to your teammate. We're not going to talk about she looks rules. She looks, she looks terrified. Um, it's really nice to have you here. Um, oh, obviously, I know you didn't really want to talk on this podcast, but I'd really mm. like to have a chat with you just because of the year you've had. Oh, don't cry or anything, cause you'll make me cry. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, don't, because cry. I cried more no, when she got injured than she did. Yeah, let's, let's talk about this. For the people who don't know, obviously you've been playing uh, for, for Welsh netball and the Cat Dragons for how long? Oh, this is my sixth season. And you're only 24, aren't you? 24. 24. Yeah. So, you know, and you've become, I, I think Nia would probably agree that you've become probably known as one of the probably the best one of the best wing attacks in the league not if i would say probably maybe in the world i oh would say that God. but i'm biased no yeah no i would i would say that no genuinely mm. i've marked i've marked a lot of world class well i've chased a lot of world class attackers around the court and beth is still one of the most difficult to mark 100% oh, that's so kind thanks <laughs> that's okay thanks. and <laughs> you're also probably the one least egotistical people i've ever met as well but um it was last year at the Commonwealth Games, I was actually watching you, um, you play in Scotland. Yeah. Um, obviously, an amazing build-up, you obviously mm. get selected. Yeah. You went to, did you go to Glasgow? Yes. So this yeah. was your second Commonwealth yeah, Games. Yeah, second. And for those who don't know, you, well, talk about contact. It was a very <laughs> physical game, which maybe with neutralised or non-neutralised, probably should have been, um, the Scots should have probably had a few warnings, shouldn't they? I think the game should have been abandoned, to be honest. It was <laughs> it was really poorly managed by the umpires, but also probably overly contested by both Wales yeah, and Scotland. Yeah. And it was, in hindsight, it was inevitable that somebody was going to get injured yeah. in that match. And it probably, you were, I think, I, I, mean, I remember it distinctly, you were probably contacted three or four times, wouldn't you? Probably unfairly. Um, and on one occasion you fell and did your ACL. Yeah. I think it was all a bit of a blur, that game. It was middle of the second quarter, going up for a ball like you would in any other game, and came down. And I think, in hindsight, I was so so lucky not to be in any pain. I think I came down, and all I could remember was I felt like I had a bit of a dead leg, and I carried on. And I thought mm, something's not right here. She and carried on driving for well, balls. I saw, I saw <laughs> you. I saw you. And I was like, why is she limping? Drive. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw you, and I'll say, as if I got a replay in my head now, I can see you, and you were like doing this in your knee, and I was literally, my heart sank, because I was I saw the way you landed, and I saw you get back up, and you were okay, and you were on the edge of the circle, I think, about to feed a ball, and yeah. then you went. Yeah, it was really surreal, and then, like I said, went a bit numb, and then called time, came off, went Run straight off. went straight to the physio bed, and I think I was genuinely more interested in the game, like, it was so close, and I think was going goal for goal and I had my eyes on the game the whole time and the physio was just like working away, love her Rachel 
Um, and then at half time, went into the changing rooms and I remember jumping round, trying to do squats. I was ready to go back on. And the physio was just like, there's no way you're going back on. And then obviously had the scan when we got back to the village and yeah, we found out that night. Yeah, because obviously post-match, I saw your parents, they were out there watching. Yeah. And obviously they were really upset. Yeah. But, you know, can you explain to people listening? And I guess for me, I never made a Commonwealth Games because I had the injuries before that and it was obviously devastating. Yeah. But what it feels like to go all that way. I and know. then what game was it? Was it the second, second, second game? game to then? Yeah, and I think because we'd had such a high the game before we played against the Silver Ferns, we'd done the best a Wales team has ever done against um, that team. And I think, like you said, the game was so hotly contested against Scotland. Adrenaline was running and went straight for the scan. Yeah. Um, obviously came back and had the results. And it was just it was just so surreal, like going back into the village. And obviously the girls had debriefed and were back at the village at this time. And yeah, it was just... Like you said, going all that way, being out there. I was just so lucky that my family were out there at the time as well. And in fairness, lucky we had a rest day the next day because mm. you can imagine, obviously, the emotion that night. And yeah. the girls, in fairness to them, didn't yeah. leave the room that night. They were with me, like, throughout the night. So um, It's quite interesting. I don't know if people know this, but um, one of the hockey girls, um, Danielle Jordan, actually got, oh, yeah. I think it was the day before the Commonwealth Games were about to start, she broke her hand. But... In that instant, because you, uh, the hockey girls had travelling reserves, she basically got chucked Leave, out of the village. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't even allowed to keep her kit. She had to give yeah. back all her Commonwealth ga- Games kit. And I think her parents were flying out that night as, as she hit her hand. So in some respect, I know it's not lucky, no, but at least you yeah. were allowed to kind of be yeah. in the village. and Because obviously the next day we had the rest day, so the girls were obviously still training. Um, but it kind of allowed me to kind of take some time and reflect on obviously what happened um and I think having that extra day allowed well as awful as it is to kind of sink in and kind of face reality and then I think being out there being with the team being on the bench I was still like fully involved and I think that really helped in terms of coming to terms with it all the other teams that's what I was most kind of overwhelmed about people that you didn't even think would kind of know who you were, were well, coming out. Yeah, the England girls gave you a signed dress to yeah, them, which is so probably worth something now. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> probably will be. But no, even just kind of the You already scolded because f- you're really sheepish about that. Oh, no, absolutely not. It's <laughs> she up in my wardrobe. <laughs> they knew leggings. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, generally the netball family, as they say, out there were honestly amazing. The comments and kind of support I had from social media and when we were out there was bro. It, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it's the one injury, yeah. even if you've never done it, those three letters, ACL, it's like, it's an elephant in the room if you're a netballer because mm-hmm. so many players do it. Mm. Like, m- a lot of the top players in the world have done it at least once. Ouch. So just hearing that your teammate has done the dreaded ACL, mm. it's just... It's so haunting. And before Glasgow, didn't it? Didn't you have like three ACLs? Yeah. So we lost three of our probably starting defenders, Rosie, Sarah and Steph Williams. That's mad, isn't it? Um, all to ACL injuries. Um, a bit, obviously a bit different scenarios because I didn't make Glasgow. But for me, when I, the moment where I, I knew I definitely wasn't going, I, it was almost like a quite a grieving process for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and I genuinely, I think obviously, like you said, it was different for you because you're out there. But yeah. I actually, 
I don't know, how can I say this without sounding like a dick? But I actually felt quite bitter towards everyone involved in the sport and the Commonwealth Games. I, I literally just didn't want to hear anything about it. So being out there, was, was yeah. there a, a bit of jealousy or bitterness uh, towards anyone? Or is it kind of... Oh, no, absolutely not. I think I, think I was just so focused on being as positive as I could for the team. And I think, like... Like Nia said, like even the team, you train with these people day in, day out. You've basically put your whole life to go to a Commonwealth Games. And being out there and obviously doing this injury, it not only affects you, it affects your whole team around you. Yeah. So, Especially a player, and you won't say this, but a player of your quality. And I'm not you know, putting this pressure on you, but I think Wales were just tipping that game. And, you know... <laughs> Some after the games, you know, quite vocally saying that they they were trying to get you out the game, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But um, a year later, then you you played Sirens last weekend, didn't you? And you were player of the match, and that's almost yeah. a, a full year back. And you and you were fantastic, and you're probably back to where you want to be. But talk about that year process because it's easy for people just to see you on court, but yeah. obviously you got one of your best friends here as well, and yeah. she's spoken about you know how hard you found it. Mm. Um, but talk to us about you know the the parts where you're not around people yeah I think coming back as well like you said about that grieving process you'd been out there you'd been around your team and then as soon as we flew back it was kind of going through that whole grieving process again obviously had to wait for the surgery had that I think the first two weeks was probably the most difficult um being well you actually came to the hospital to do the day after which was brilliant no yeah <laughs> no but actually seeing people was brilliant like coming to visit because you are ultimately kind of bed bound for that first kind of week or so um but they said to me like just make sure your swelling goes down rest as much as possible and that was so hard because you just want to get up and get moving um but I think not taking for granted those first few weeks paid massive dividends like in months to come I I remember you saying um because I remember I hadn't seen you for sort of Obviously, came when you did your surgery, I saw you in the hospital, and then I hadn't seen you for like a week. Mm. You had lost so much yeah, weight. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'd, I'd never seen you like that. No. And it was funny because what your boyfriend, Ned, is obviously an SSC coach. Mm. He used to tell you stuff like to do with your diet, right? Yeah. Because I used to be buying her chocolate and stuff. What would he say? Yeah. He was just like, be careful, obviously, because you're bed bound you're <laughs> gonna be putting on all this weight but, but honestly said as well, every everything that you're eating is going oh, into yeah. repairing yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. so if you're like... eating chocolate your ligaments gonna be Ooh, a nice little ligament for cho- <laughs> <laughs> yummy. Yeah, yeah but actually that's a really cool way to think about it yeah. because your body is like building okay. a new ligament isn't it i yeah. mean for people who don't know what's the process of an acl repair so you get to choose which graft you want so i had my hamstring graft so my hamstring taken out part of it um, and then that would be used to make my new ACL. They like plait it or something. Yeah. Oh, crazy. And, and th- think, talk to us about, you know, when you're back on that court, especially against the Sirens, where there are a lot of Scottish players. Mm. You got the award for player of the match after mm. you burst out crying. Don't remind me. It made me well up, honestly. Um, get like that in your old age. But um, <laughs> talk to me, because of, of, that was a mental battle as well, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, I think. And it was a physical game. Yeah, and I think... Coming back, obviously, you play your first match, brilliant. But they say, obviously, you take nine months to come back and be fit and be match ready. But actually playing well again, I think it takes so much longer. And I think 
that's really hard to take because you automatically, especially we were going to the Commonwealth Games, you want to be back yeah. at the peak performance that you well, were before. the last performance you have in your head yeah. is you at the prime yeah. of your career. Yeah. So it's it's a really hard comparison to make. As you say, mm. not just getting back to be, be, being able to play a netball match, you're then going into the, as I said it before, the best league in the Northern Hemisphere. So the standard of the play that you were aiming for was... Yeah. And I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but Beth in January. So how long post op were you then in nine January? Months. She was nine months post op in Jan. You still hadn't played netball match, but we had some fitness testing with the Celtic Dragons, and you were humming and ahhing whether to even take part in it because you were like, well, mm. you know, is it relevant for me? I'm not at the same stage as the people who've been doing preseason. She was doing her own rehab still. She got the quickest agility score, the quickest bloody linear speed, and the highest jump. So all of us who'd been able-bodied... So um, ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, hmm. But yeah, you know, to get those scores, at having, you know, a year doing your own training, basically. Mm. And, and I think... to rebuild your leg. You know, you lost all your quad, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think the hardest thing, because I've had, I've probably said on this podcast, tons of injury. You know, you get the sympathy part, don't you, for a while from people, and then mm. you come back, it's like, oh, well done, you're back. But then mm. it's that that stage where you know you're not at your best mm. and it's that mental battle, isn't it, of trying to yeah. not panic yeah, definitely. and trust the processes. And I think you've probably been through that, haven't you, over the last you know, six weeks with Dragons and then obviously against Sirens then, you, yeah. you pulled that out of the bag and probably, would you say you felt near enough to, to your best there or? Mm. Yeah. More to yeah. come. More to come. But like, like Nia said, the amount of people that have done ACLs as well, it's very easy to compare. Oh, six weeks they were doing this three months they're doing this it is quite hard to think where you're at and where other people are at but the only thing I would say is just focus on yourself and yeah and I think we'll all agree on this that being a Welsh athlete as well is quite tough because I I, I've said before you know when I had my back surgery I probably would have been back in half the time had I been an English athlete because the support you get and that's no criticism to NGBs but you are left to your own devices now that is mentally hard as well isn't it and I think, obviously, I was going through it through the off-season as well. And even though I had great support from surgeons, physios, everything, that mental battle of going through it in the off-season when you haven't got access to your team all the time and you're not training on a regular basis is a lot In a way, harder. though, do you think that's better because it didn't feel like you were missing that many I matches? I suppose, yeah. Because you didn't miss any Dragons matches. No. Did you didn't miss no. any of the Super League season, really. Obviously, the start of it this season, but... Mm. After the Commonwealth Games, there was a big long break where mm. we didn't actually have any international matches. Yeah. Um, talking about injuries, there was quite an interesting article actually um, that's come out on BBC about it's a Welsh uh, article about as- athletes risking their health by underfueling, about endurance runners um, basically not eating enough and it's actually causing them physical injury. I think we've sp- briefly spoken about eating, haven't we, on on this podcast? But it's an interesting um, briefly. Have we? All we talk about is <laughs> But it's an inter- interesting concept, isn't it? You know, you talk about having the right diet and you said about then having to watch what you you ate when you were um, rehabbing. But in a, in a team sport, you'll often see people, see teammates who are doing it the right or wrong way. Yeah, and like Beth said with her rehab, I think everybody is different and everybody has different body composition goals as well. Some people might feel better at a certain weight. Some people don't care what they look like in their netball dress. Some people do. Um, you know, but me, me and Beth aren't going to, Beth and I aren't going to sit here and say that we don't eat chocolate and crisps now and again, because we do. And I think when, as long as you don't see training as a way of just being able to eat crap food, or you don't see 
you don't live by being rewarded with food. Beth and I do, like, we don't starve ourselves of anything, do we? And <laughs> we're definitely not the ones guilty of underfueling. Mm. Um, but we train really hard. And I've been, I've had teammates who I see, because they've got certain body composition goals, they don't eat carbs. And, you know, carbs, okay, if you're going to read the Daily Mail, it'll tell you not to eat red wine, carbs, cheese, chocolate, lettuce, like everything. You read If you read articles that you see in Bloody Women's Health. But actually, they're just fads. You know, it's some, somebody's done one study in a lab somewhere in Latvia and they've come out with this evidence that maybe... But actually, it's all to do with calories, isn't it? I think it's, be it's uh, very, very complicated, the whole nutrition thing. And over the years, we've had tons and tons of nutrition talks. But again, being a Welsh athlete, I think it's hard because, you know, we talk about these one or two percents making a difference. But can we truly say as Welsh athletes that we are doing everything right to have those one or two percenters in food? No, definitely not. But I do actually don't think that there's the nutritional advice that we need either. Like, we have got a nutritionist assigned to us with Welsh Network and Celtic Dragons, but she's she's employed for one day a month. Yeah. And if you think about all the athletes that we have, you know, if you're actually going to uh, analyse all our food diaries and all our goals and the way we train and actually our physical competencies, she's never going to get round everybody. Well, yeah. And then you've got to take into account people's tastes and people's preferences. I just think when people start to... cut, I mean... Uh, let's just say this carbohydrate is the thing that fuels muscles muscles is what moves your body if you're an athlete that's what you need you need carbohydrates now there's obviously different types of carbs but any athlete that for me during season or pre-match or post-match tries to cut out carbs they're not taking their athletic performance seriously they're taking their body image too seriously well you've heard it out there kids eat your potatoes you're listening to balls with beth fisher and anea jones Please get in touch with us via Twitter on at BallsPod. Tell us if you love us, tell us if you hate us, tell us what bitch you found funny, what you'd like us to discuss in the future. Anything you like, just tweet us, innit? Okay, so on that note, um, we'll stop talking about carbohydrates because I'm getting hungry. Well, let's go straight to the ball bag. If you haven't listened before and don't know what the ball bag is, it's an imaginary bag where you put things in it. Beth's looking at me like a little puppy waiting for food. Look at her face. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, oh, not again, not Sorry. dog noises. <laughs> Um, where you put things where you never want to see or hear or be around again. So far, we have Paul Ince. Cold sores. Cats. Glass Rocky trophies. leggings. I can't remember what else. But Spin classes. Spin classes. Cool downs. Yeah. The list is endless. Well, it's not endless because that's all we've got so far. The end. Nia hasn't ended. got another one to, again I have. Today. Let me think. There's plenty that annoys me. Let me just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I carry on with mine? Fine. But you're going to give it like... Give me your attention because boss. Can you just give me two minutes to think about it? Thing is, there's so much noise you that you just talk about casually. No, so then it's fine, isn't it? Can you just choose a fucking. I haven't got anything. You put yours in. Go on. I've told you this already this week, so you're, can you just pretend that you find it funny again? Yep. So this is gonna, again a controversial ball bag. It's not sport related, but it's something that really pisses me off. Okay? People who make their own social media accounts for dogs or cats. And what, what I mean by that is, are you not seeing this? People I will love have, it. Don't agree. No. Come on. People try will to say, people I don't know will why say, you're obsessed with putting animals in there because it's not going to get past I'm me. not putting Unless animals. It's a spider. I'm not putting animals in there. I'm putting in. You've put cats in. Oh no, they didn't go well, in. One was behind my curtain looking at me whilst I was in cats bed. Did go in. I what did we refuse? Cats, cats, what did, what cats did, did go in. Shoelaces, you didn't shoe put in. Oh yeah, right, Beth, what do you think? Do you think shoelaces should go in the ball bag? 
Aren't they or just? Do you, or do you quite uh, like are trends? irritating? Mine, mine tend to come undone quite Thank a lot. You. So do Thank you. Do them properly. I know. Again, okay. Sorry. Beth, generally, a Beth's ability to do shoe laces. Laces. Emma laces, Beth. Get your blue wreath suit for right. a I'm not putting dogs or cats in the ball bag. Okay, cats are already in there because they're stalking and they're weird and they put their claws in your jeans and they're scary. True. Okay. I am putting in people who make up accounts for their dogs and cats. If Helen and Richard have got their account for your dog. Tess.com. No. Tess, is it Tess at Tess? No. Woof, woof. Right. Tess at should be dead. She's probably 18. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Beth. How old's your dog? 14. Crikey. She's got the scales. <laughs> Honestly, right. she's not evolved properly since okay, so test. She's been around since. I'm never listening to this podcast again. You've never listened to it before. <laughs> I can't download it. Um, okay, so what I'm saying is I'm scrolling through Twitter, having a nice little scroll, then I'll see Jerry the dog. I've been wishing my owner came home all day. No, Jerry the dog has not been wishing his owner would come home all day. Jerry the dog has been sleeping and thinking of walkies. Okay? Excuse me, but... Um do you just assume what a dog thinks? That and is also, disgusting. who calls their dog Jerry? I don't know, but they're out there. Okay? What I'm saying is, can you believe people go out their own way? It's not going in my ball bag. It's but not going in mine. It's just bonkers. Do you not think that people are, are literally lost the plot when they make out? No, because people have made a living out of dogs talking. Dr. Doolittle did it, Clifford. The big red dog did it. People like it. People but, like and, and dogs do think. No, they... How, how do you know? They do. I Come cats on. And animals. My dog. My dog strops. Do. Right. So if we take her for a walk, and like we haven't thrown the ball in two walks, she'll have a stop. Like she's like a. Okay. She's do you, moody. Do you then post it? Please throw the ball. No, no because but, I don't no, have an account. I'd probably double yeah. tap it if you did. Oh. Oh, look at Jerry getting annoyed. <laughs> Jerry's fuming. Jerry's. Well, at least I got something to put in the ball bag. Okay, fine, Charlie. In. What are you putting in the ball bag? I'm not sure if I put this in already, but have I put short corners in in football? <sighs> Ooh, good one. Go on. What's the point? Just you can pass the ball anywhere on the pitch, whip it in, get Sean Morrison to stick his head on it. Why do they do that, Neil? You're the footballer. Okay, so basically, if you take somebody out there to do the corner and you take somebody out with them as well, what you then do is drag two defenders out the box because you have to go and mark them. Otherwise, those two players have got free reign. So, one, they might drag players out just to get two extra bodies out of the box to give their attackers more space. But also, they might want to work a better angle. Very often, just putting a floaty cross in there, you know, defenders are used to it. They're stood on the spot. They've just got to mark the space. They can head it away. But then it depends how good of a corner you take. if you drag the ball out of that corner... Last, boring. boring You asked me to explain it. (laughs) You can work a better angle to whip the cross in. Because I want short corners. Well, put them in because I'm so bored to ever talk about them again. Fine. I'll put short corners in. Yeah, you're right. So, Neil, you haven't got anything to put in. How disappointing. You know this is going to happen. Let's put you in for the week. Nia's in the ball bag again. For, this is twice you've not put something in. You can come out next week if you're lucky. Oh, sorry I'm not as bitter as you <laughs> about life. I think you're very bitter. I've just oh. been asleep for most of it. <laughs> She's been on Easter holidays eating eggs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on that note, we're going to end episode 10 of Balls. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to our one and only guest that we've had on so far. You have actually been on it before Thanks. by accident, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I did. I called in, didn't I? Yeah, but well, you didn't call in, mate. You FaceTimed me. Yeah. Um, it's been great having you on and hearing Thanks about your me. recovery. You've been listening to Balls episode 10 with me, Beth Fisher. I'm Amy Jones. Mm-hmm.